worry that you drink too much coffee? I think we're going to have to cut you off, sir. Not a chance. Gotta go feed the meter. Line them up. G'day, welcome to Mouthful of Bees. This is uh, coffee episode number two, and it's ironic because sometimes too much coffee does make you do a number two. Uh, this episode's focusing on caffeine. I guess when coffee came into the Western culture, I probably started um, as um, forms of filter coffee, like um, petrol station or truck stop drip coffee you know that jug style i guess then we might started um having uh instant coffee or freeze-dried coffee and then the espresso era came in then there's um french press that little glass press that you use at home then there's uh pods and then now at uh, cafes you see all forms of drip coffee i think the next question though we'll start to head towards is um, the awareness of caffeine in our body, which will affect uh, maybe how much coffee we drink or and or how we, what styles of coffee we can consume it as. For example, rather than having two or three coffees a day, you could have two or three coffees, but one could be uh, espresso-based and one could be half-caffeinated or fully caffeinated or cold drip, depending on how you want to take the caffeine in. Um, I had two good interviews um, in today's recording. One's with uh, Jimmy Elias from First Press Coffee and we also talked to Edward and Tom from a little marionette about decaf and at the end of that i'll just explain the decaf methods all right so let's kick it off um this is jimmy elias from first press and we're talking about cold drip okay i'm talking here with uh jimmy elias who's a co-founder of first press coffee uh based in kensington g'day jimmy G'day, how are you? <laughs> pretty, pretty good, thank you. Um, Thanks for having me, Tyson. That's okay, I'm just trying to actually cancel a call, sorry. Um, Jimmy, uh, I I grew up, or not grew up, but I um, any coffee I was with was around an espresso machine, so um, I am intrigued by cold drip because I don't know what it is, so I thought I'd, yes. I'd ask an expert. I thought you might be the right guy to go. Can you tell us what cold drip coffee is? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll first explain espresso coffee and then um, nice. and branch it out to cold drip. Yep. Espresso coffee is, uh, is an extraction of coffee that's done over 20 seconds with hot water and pressure. And uh, so it's, it's quite um, a rigorous extraction to get out all of the flavours in a short period of time. Um, cold drip coffee is basically... Uh, I guess, expanding those metrics. So you're just doing it with cold water. And because it's cold water, uh, the coffee is less soluble. So you have to do it over a period of time. So basically, cold drip is coffee that's extracted by dripping cold water 
through beds of brown coffee for a period. Well, we do a period of 10 hours, but it can range you know, for any time that you really want to do. But our extraction goes for 10 hours. And what this does is gravity um, only pulls the water through. So it's a much gentler extraction that extracts a lot of the beautiful flavours of the coffee bean uh, without the same acidic um, compounds and bitterness that can come through espresso coffee. I see. So the pressure that's in an espresso machine is one level and the pressure you're working with is just the pressure of gravity. Yes, that's right. And we're also just using uh, room temperature water instead of hot water. Right. So instead of forcing um, molecules out of the coffee grind or granules, you're letting time soak it out in what might be a more natural process. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's kind of semantics. Uh, they're both natural extractions, but it's it's generally a more uh, gentle extraction. And what that comes out is that when you drink cold drip coffee or, or cold brew coffee, you get you can get a lot of those beautiful flavours of the coffee, but you don't have that acidity and bitterness coming through. And that's generally because um, there's been a less acidic compounds that's been extracted out of the coffee itself. So it's a much smoother taste profile. Oh, so there's less of a chance of getting over or under extraction. Uh, yes, I mean, it's a, it's a different extraction yeah. that brings out uh, the flavours of the coffee bean, but it doesn't have that same acidity yeah. coming through. I see. Okay. And are there any, um, or what are, what are the benefits of cold drip other than the flavour you, you, you're explaining? Well, many of our customers have said that when they drink cold drip coffee, it actually um, impacts them in a different way to, say, drinking an espresso coffee. Oh. Uh, although there's not a lot of science um, about, you know, the differences of cold brew and cold drip on the body, we've speculated that because there's less acidic compounds in it, um, the body processes the caffeine in a different way, so it's digested slower. There's less of a jolt to the nervous system, and it also lasts and less of a crash coming down. So a lot of people drink it, and they find that it's a very smooth, buzz it's really good for concentration really good for exercise and then the other variable is that cold drip coffee is because it's less bitter it makes it very easy for people to drink on its own and because of that you're removing some of the other things like milk or sugar which people have with their coffee which can cause a, a spike in blood sugar levels so when you just have the coffee itself you can really appreciate and I guess, experience the benefits of the coffee bean without other foods, substances being in the drink itself. That's very interesting because I thought uh, you, you hear people talk about how it's something that you can drink all day compared to espresso, which gives you, you know, gets you quite um, jittery, like you're saying. And so I thought, oh, maybe that's because less caffeine is pulled out, but you're saying it's because the body might process the caffeine differently. Okay, that's very interesting. Well, uh, yeah, there's definitely less caffeine per mil, but I... there's definitely still quite a lot of caffeine, you know, in the drinks itself. It's be because, you know, some of our drinks are um, 100 mils or we've got a 250 mil. You can still have two to three shots of coffee. But what I've found is, an, and especially... Um, you know, with many of our customers, there's, I still drink a, you know, a hot coffee in the morning. Um, but generally, if I have more than one hot coffee, two or three, it doesn't impact me um, very well. Um, uh, but I can find that I can, you know, sip on cold drip for the rest of the day. And it's just got that really beautiful experience that doesn't impact my body the same way. 
Oh, I won't send you to the toilet as much, you're saying? Yes, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like happens with my first coffee. Instantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I, did, I think you've answered uh, all my questions. Um, no, that was it. Tell us about um, First Press then. How, how long have you guys been around and are you Australia-wide or...? Uh, yeah, sure. So First Press, um, uh, we created First Press in 2013, me and my business partner, Hamish. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just started in Melbourne. Um, uh, and we have slowly, we started selling to cafes and we slowly grew then and realized that there was a really strong market in supermarkets because back then and, and still now, most of the iced coffees on the shelf were, you know, big 600 mils of milk, um, lots of sugar. And there was nothing really that was catering towards people that wanted, you know, healthier for you or even an artisanal coffee that you could get at a cafe. Uh-huh. So we really saw a gap in the market. And, and since then, we have grown into supermarkets uh, around the country. Um, we also we, we have a range of black cold drip coffee products, but we also have a range of almond milk and plant-based milk um, iced coffees. And we also have another product which we sell to bars, um, which is called First Press Black, and that's a coffee base for espresso martinis, which they use in, in that drink. And, um, yeah, basically we've grown around Australia. We're, we're national in Australia, and we're also selling to some countries in Asia and then also the Middle East. Look out. That's, that's big time. Uh, what's, uh, what supermarkets, Jimmy? Uh, so, so we're in um, most independent supermarkets, IGA, Foodworks, um, soon to be uh, Woolworths as well. Nice, good work. Okay, um, how, and I think people can just Google First Press or look in those supermarkets. Are you on uh, socials? Yeah, yeah. So we're on socials. Um, it's at First Press Coffee um, on Instagram. We are, our website's www.firstpresscoffee.com. Um, you can find all of our products there. You can order them uh, for delivery or there's also a stockist list um, which has all of our um, closest stockists. Nice. All right, Jimmy, thanks very much. That's really interesting information that I didn't know and I think a lot of people might be in the same boat. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thank uh, thanks for thinking of us, Tyson. No worries. I do really like the idea of cold drip in that it is the most natural extraction and by that i mean that uh, in an espresso extraction it is high pressure and boiling water now um, pressure itself i think the most natural form of pressure is what you have in the majority of the environment which is um, gravity the pressure of gravity Oh, and the pressure of the air pressure that exists. <clears throat> there are, of course, higher pressures that exist in nature. For example, in a volcano or in a vacuum. Um, but I would say that natural air pressure is probably the most natural form we have. And then also water most natural way i think water even though we can find hot water in the environment the most natural way water exists is cold so therefore having a cold drip i think is quite a nat very close to the most natural extraction we can have um uh that was really interesting i really liked that chat 
with Jimmy and the idea that we'll probably learn more about it, about how the body absorbs caffeine in different ways if it's extracted from the coffee bean in different ways. Um, next, I talked to Edward Cutcliffe and his roaster Tom from Little Marionette. They're up in Sydney. Um, they make quite a nice decaf, so I wanted to talk to them uh, about the decaf. Here's Ed and Tom. Hey, Edward. Hey, Tyson. G'day, Tom. G'day, mate. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. Thanks for your time, guys, by the way. No worries. I, ju- I just you. finished a cup of your delicious ge- decaf. Do you drink uh, full caffeine bar or only yes. decaf? No, the yeah. reason I have decaf is so that I can drink more coffee during the day, and I don't. <laughs> it makes a difference when it's good, doesn't it? Uh, yes. We've also got um, a half cup coffee, which is our house blend with the decaf fifty fifty mixed in. Yes. And it's delicious. I- I'm brand new to coffee, so I don't want too much. Okay. Can you take half of the regular version of the coffee and mix it with half of the decaffeinated version? Or is that, is that just too weird a thing to ask for? Half-calf? Right, half-calf. Half-calf. We're, we're, we're going to have a half-calf. We're going to have half-calf. Yeah. Yay. Is that becoming a trend Australia-wide? Uh, we are the first to do it in Australia. Oh, cool. And I know of one UK company that started about the same time as us a few weeks before, randomly. Right. Um, and now they're actually trying to grow some half caffeinated beans as well. So there's um, I was reading an article this morning on it um, that uh, there's there's a new varietal or, or a grafting strain that they've created that's half caff. Wow. Um, yeah. So you know that way instead, if, if you have robusta, robusta's up to seven times the amount of caffeine mm-hmm. or more, um, which we've steered away from. And the minute you have Robusta, the heart races and the coffee monster kicks in, you've got to go to the bathroom. Yes. And then you've got Arabica, um, which is the most common um, coffee out there now. It yep. was Robusta because it was cheap and easy to grow. It grew on rooftops of cars moving at 100 kilometers an hour. It would grow anywhere. Right. Um, so then Arabica is the most common. The higher the altitude, the lower the caffeine. Um, and then so many other factors play into it. Um, and then it's the way you roast it and then how old it is from the date of roasting to how much caffeine it's got in it as well. The caffeine dies off over time. Yeah, it doesn't just um, pop off the tree tasting delicious. A lot of work goes into it. And so with these, um, uh, you're saying that designing half-caffeinated um, beans. I'll send you the article after this. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I guess it's. I guess the idea is so that there's less process in trying to pull the caffeine out, which is quite interesting because um, there are some methods and some are better than others. Yes. Um, yeah. So traditionally, there was a chemical decaf that was um, it was cheap, it was fast, it was easy, it was efficient. Um, Benz- benzene. Was most common. Sorry. Is that benzene? Yeah, benzene, and there were other chemicals that they used as well, just depending on what they could get their hands on at the time. Um, and then that was it, it was nasty and it's actually not good for you it was um it was bad especially for pregnant women and that's the most common um market for decaf uh-huh. um, so it could be damaging 
Um, and I, look, I don't know what the science is behind it if they've actually proven that it's damaging. And but yeah. so then it went down the path of Swiss water, and Swiss water was um, <clears throat> basically um, actually. To, I'll let Tom explain Swiss water to you. Yeah, um, so, I might do a little explanation of Swiss water. But you guys, you don't you use that method. You use the mountain water method. So mountain water and Swiss water are basically the same thing, but Swiss okay. water's trademark. That's what I thought, mm. and I and I thought they just got a bit big for their britches to say no one else can copy this method. So I assume naturally yes. someone else is going to go. Okay, I'll tweak it. Two percent, so I can name name it something different. But it is a, just a water extraction. I, I don't think it's been tweaked, to be honest. Uh, okay. I think it's it's blow for blow. Um, um, but I'll say, you know, I guess in method or procedures, this is different. They just can't use the terminology Swiss water. Gotcha. Um, so mountain water is also price point wise was traditionally slightly cheaper than Swiss water. Um, not always. It, it depended on the varietal because traditionally they'll just do a regional blend or a cheap blend. And decaffeinate it, and that's the way decaf was. Okay. And then companies wanted to do nice decaf, so then they would contract um, the manufacturing plants to decaffeinate a nicer coffee, um, which is really common in um, Mexico and but Germany more so. You can send coffee from anywhere in the world to this German plant. I'll decaf it for you, and then send it back. And then now there's the version that we use, which I'll let Tom talk yeah, to you about. So yeah, with the with the mountain and the Swiss, they're both trademarks. The anything mountain water decaf has gone to Mexico and and had been processed. So our last decaf we got was uh, a Colombian Aquila, and uh, and even though it was obviously grown and uh, processed to some extent in Colombia, it's the mountain water process is, is finished in Mexico. But uh, we've moved on from that. We've moved on to a uh, EA decaf, which is short for ethyl acetate. Yes. It is a chemical. It's a solvent that's found in. Um, it's some. It's some. It's some paints and some nail polishes and things like that in, in very small fractions. But it also comes from the skins of, um, of fruits such as apples. Right. And it has a very distinctive smell and aroma and uh, similar qualities to sugarcane. So that's why it's called sugarcane decaf. Just, you know, in a, as a... There's also a story that um, they believe that the first time they did it, they used the byproduct of uh, extracting the sugarcane and the ethyl acetate was produced then. Okay. So, um, so that's... It has a... It, it, know the ins and outs 1000% of what happens in sugarcane decaf but the the carbon footprint is substantially less than swiss and mountain water processes oh. and it's a, a lot more natural chemical yeah, it's using a byproduct of another process as well so it's minimizing waste and making purpose of everything okay and product wise is it is it you find a better result in the flavor of yeah. the beans like and not yeah. all the other I compounds are pulled out of the of the bean? You're losing a lot less flavour, a lot less of the top notes and florals and nuances of the premium copies that you're buying to get decaffeinated Okay. Um, by using this process. So they're not... When you blanch your coffee, um, you, you're boiling a bit of the flavour out of there. Um, and then over that whole process, you're stripping, I would say, up to 50% of the flavour out or more. Um, whereas with the sugarcane... Um, Decaf. It's, it's it's also adding pleasant flavors. Yeah, as well. You know, it's yeah. it's not it's it's, it's it is sweetening it. Mm. Oh, rather it's than just taking stuff out, it's adding place. stuff back in. 
Okay. Well, cool. it's, it, it, inadvertently. So yes. it's not an intentional thing. It's just inadvertently it sweetens whatever's in there. Yeah, so. just like if I cook rice at home, if I cook it in water, it's going to taste but it, uh, all right. But if I cook it in uh, stock, there's going to be much nicer flavor because water yeah, is exactly. good, but it doesn't have the best yeah. flavor to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you cook it in uh, ethyl acetate, it might taste a little bit like sugar cane, yeah, sugar cane uh, rice. It'll sugar taste rice. nice and sweet, sticky rice. That's how they make it. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. But it's also a process that can take place at origin rather than the coffee being transported to another place ah. and effectively the process starting over. So, you know, that's and that also the traceability as well as just carbon footprint. Ultimately. Okay, that's that's interesting. It empowers origin. I see. That's awesome, yeah. guys. I really appreciate that. Tell us about um, um the little marionette. You're up in Roselle. Uh, I'm down in Melbourne, but um, you're up in me the... one second. I'll let Tom bust out because he's got to go down and uh, okay. keep roasting. Thanks for your time, um, Tom. No worries. Thanks, mate. We'll get some fitty fitty blend down to you. That's our fifty fifty um, decaf. Half so we'll cup. get some of that down to you, man. For sure. Awesome, yeah, Tyson. Um, thanks, Tom. Uh, cheers. Thanks, Tyson. Thanks, Tom. Um, mate, so little marionette, yeah. What do you want to know? Oh, just how people can get in touch with you. Are you in the inner inner west? Yeah, so we're based in uh, inner west Sydney. We we started in Balmain years and years and years ago. Yeah, it was this beautiful little community vibe. We're in the back streets. It was a hole and it was fourteen square meters. Um, we had a park opposite us, and everyone got to know everyone, and it was just beautiful. And it's for me, that's what coffee's about. It's about bringing community together and bringing people together. Um, and uh, for us, that's from the farms we work with um, to the even some of the traders. There's more commercial traders that we deal with. We don't go direct on everything because I think you'll find that very few roasters in Australia, if any, do go direct on everything. Um, we, we buy from harvest and lock it out the amount we need for a year um, to get us through and, um, yeah, to match our flavour profile. And... Uh, yeah, over the years, the team, even the team here in the warehouse, you know, they're like family. They're, uh, uh, it's just a beautiful crew. Yeah. And We've if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Um, at the little marionette, um, the little marionette on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then in the UK, two of the boys moved over there. Um, couldn't find the coffee they loved over there, so help them set up and they've done um something called the roasting party over there so you can find the roasting party uk um on socials as well and they've they've got a site in sloan square in chelsea uh, where the cadogan family that own the majority of chelsea wanted to create a market style offering for their um their tenants in that area um and they've opened meat, wine, bread, cheese, all of this in this old muse. It's beautiful. It's everything that you'd imagine old world posh England to be. And um, and they've built this great little community hole in the wall there. And they're roasting out of Winchester. Um, and they've also got another one in Moorgate, which is central. So that's marionette spreading over there in a different form. And then in New York, we've, um, we've got a few cafes over there that reached out to us to supply them. Um, and we're just looking at uh, pushing go on our warehouse and roastery over there at the moment. Uh, and that's the Little Marionette USA on socials. Um, and look for Saltwater NYC. They're um, a great couple of cafes that we supply over there, uh, amongst others, who are, who are Aussies doing a great job, phenomenal job over there. So, 
as are you guys by the sound of things the way you've expanded from just a little hole in the wall um and when uh, pretty lucky yeah when half caffeinated um coffee takes off in australia we'll know that um you guys started it started the trend here first (laughs) thanks very much probably someone somewhere else doing it (laughs) and we just uh timed it at the same time but um now we've been we've been pretty lucky with with how we've gone over the years and then just peddling through through this whole um crazy 2020 that's happened and and trying to diversify and adapt and come out the other side so well yeah i love well i love the decaf and um i appreciate your time today edward thank you very much not a problem and if you need something that's not caffeine to slow down at the end of the day we're doing a collaboration with um the brewery next door which is white bay brewery and they um they've done one beer with us a porter in the past and they're just about to release another one this friday tomorrow Uh um that's it's delicious and the the head brewer there the brewing team are amazing they've won all these awards in their previous breweries and um yeah, so that's White Bay Brewing, and uh, that beer is off the chart, but it's strong. I think it's 6 or 7%, so... Do the job. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> it'll slow down the caffeine, yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for your time, Edward. Thanks for your time, Tyson. Have a great day, mate. You too. See you later. I thought it was quite interesting how they were talking about the higher, the altitude the coffee's grown at the lower caffeine content and also the age. And of course, as something as coffee would get older, it would lose a lot of its flavor, but he also says it loses its caffeine. So if you want to have less caffeine, you could also just let the coffee get really old and stale, taste like shit, but that's an option, not advised. All right, the four methods we touched on in the interview, but I'll just explain it a little bit more. There's four ways that they take caffeine out of the coffee bean. The first two ways are with a solvent. Then another way is water or um, uh, through a charcoal filter. And then CO2. Uh, the majority of decaf that has been around for most of Western coffee's timeline has been the solvent method. Um, and most of the time, if it doesn't say how it has been decaffeinated, that will be the method. Um, if it's a water or a CO2, which is all sometimes called the sparkling water method, excuse me, uh, they will normally advertise it because it's a more expensive way to do it. So you might often see your coffee say it's the Swiss water or sparkling water method or mountain water method, which we touched on in an interview. Um, so what they need to do is to get the caffeine molecule out of the bean without taking out ideally without taking out any other flavors it's it's quite hard to do unless you have really small tweezers and a good eye otherwise using these methods so the solvent method there's two ways of taking it out with solvent and they used to use a solvent called benzene until it found it was quite carcinogenic so carcinogenic so they said no sir to that 
and they started using uh, two different solvents, one called methylene chloride and the other one called ethyl acetate, which is uh, derived from sugarcane, which they talked about from the little marionette. And with these two solvents, you can do it, you can extract the caffeine in two different ways, direct or indirect. Now, direct means you're pulling the caffeine directly out of the bean, in which case they soak the bean in water for a, I think it's quite hot water for a fairly long time. I think it's up to 10 hours. And then they will wash the bean for a similar amount of time in this um, solvent. And by washing it, you're pulling out. Um, what will happen is the solvent molecule attaches to the or attracts the caffeine molecule to it and they attach. And then you can ex um, pull the solvent out and you're just left with a bean. Once you give it a wash in steam, in theory, there's no more solvent left on it and the solvent has pulled all the caffeine out of the bean. Um, that might worry you in the fact that you're just putting what might seem quite a harsh-sounding chemical directly on the bean that you're going to crush up and extract coffee out of, flavors out of. So then what might seem a less harsh method is the indirect solvent method in which they soak the beans. Um, I did get it wrong at the start. In the direct method, they only steam the beans quickly to... Um, have all the compounds in the coffee accessible to the solvent. But in the indirect method, they soak them for a long time so that everything comes out of the coffee bean and into um, some water. So you're left with a bean that's just a shell in theory and all the flavor has gone into the water. And then what you do is you treat that water, you wash that water with the solvent and like... We said before the solvent attaches to the caffeine and then they can uh, boil that water off and just the solvent with the caffeine attached to it will boil off and then you're just left with the water with the coffee solids without the caffeine. Then you put the, the shell in, a, in essence just a bean with no flavor. You put them all back into that water and it will absorb all those flavors back up. That's the theory of the indirect solvent method. What they say might happen is that the bean might not um, absorb everything back up, and therefore you're left with a bean that doesn't have as much flavor. So therefore, the direct solvent method might leave you with um, a lot more flavor than the indirect. The other method, one of the other methods is the water or the charcoal filter method. Now, it was patented as the Swiss water method, which you might hear about. There's also a mountain water method, which is done in, I think the Swiss water method is done in Canada. Go figure. And the mountain water is done in Mexico. 
I think. Now what they do with this water method is a little bit different. So they soak beans in water like we do with the indirect method for a long time to get all the, all the flavors out of the bean. Then you pull the beans out and you just got coffee flavored water. Then you'll take that water and run it through a filter that only uh, is small enough just to just to pick up the caffeine molecules, which I think are the biggest molecules in the coffee. And so if you run it through that filter, all it does is catch the caffeine, and then you're left with water that uh, just has the coffee minus the caffeine. Now, instead of putting empty beans back in and letting them soak it back up, what they do is, so you have water with everything except caffeine. Now you put the same type of beans, but a fresh batch into that solution and all that can be extracted from that bean now when you let it soak in water for so long or it might be warmer water is that the, the, the coffee solids can't come out of the bean anymore because they already exist in a saturated form in that solution so the only thing that's missing from that solution is caffeine so that's that's the only thing that comes out of the bean if that makes sense so you have a fully it's called a green coffee extract and so it's a solution that's is thick with all the flavors from the coffee so thick so much so that when you put fresh beans in there all those exact flavors don't need to come out from the coffee bean because they got nowhere to go. But yeah, only the caffeine will come out because that doesn't exist in the water. That's the Swiss water method. So then you pull those beans out and they're exactly the same as they were before without the caffeine. Um, that's how it works in theory. And it works because caffeine-free beans are produced and decaf needs to be a certain percentage, I think it's less than 1% in order to pass as decaffeinated coffee. And the last method might be called sparkling water method, but it's just CO2, which is the gas in sparkling water, is quite similar. But um, the thing they found out is that CO2 is probably the best molecule, or the highest attracting molecule to caffeine so you'll soak the beans again so that they're able to give up all their molecules they'll put it in a big vessel high pressure and then they'll um, put co2 in in there so the gas co2 under high pressure turns into a liquid so in theory it's another solvent um, and because it's very efficient at pulling caffeine um, it gets it out, I think, quicker than the other methods. The beans drop down to the bottom of the vessel, and the CO2 uh, is the pressure is released from the chamber. Therefore, the CO2 returns back to its gaseous state, and as it's doing so, uh, it separates from the caffeine and it leaves just a residue of caffeine um, and incidentally all these methods that do extract caffeine are left 
just with caffeine in its in its um, sole form and then those companies sell that caffeine and that's how you get caffeine added to um, energy drinks and so on. All right, look, I hope, I hope that was helpful. I think I uh, explained myself in a circle a little bit there, but um, you can look up more information about it. And at least if you want to go to decaf or try one a day, <clears throat> you know, you have options or you know at least you're armed with a bit more knowledge on how they make it, which ways might be healthier, uh, which ways might be more attractive to you. And at least you can feel a bit more confident and not too wanky by asking the place you buy the decaf from. Excuse me, um, uh, how's this decaf made? All right, well, I hope you enjoyed those uh, two coffee episodes. Um, if you don't die tonight of overdosing on caffeine, we'll see you tomorrow. And you know that there are plenty of options for you out there as you try and Stay as hydrated to head towards this uh, Kevin Costner water world future, possibly. Catch you later. Mouth, Mouth full, full of bees. Mouth full of bees.